0: It's wonderful to be back and to be with the church body again. We were uh, able to uh, enjoy online uh, while we are away for vacation. And it was a real blessing to, to be with the, the church body online and uh, get to, to worship with you in that way. And so we know that there's so many uh, at home that are doing those things each week. So uh, we got the experience, and again, uh, thanks so much, uh, Thomas and Dennis and uh, Daniel for all of you guys that are keeping that that uh, ministry going. It's a wonderful blessing to us. Uh, Steve, is it? Uh, it's Isaiah 41, two or three, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, those <laughs> verses. So Hebrews 13. Yes. Yeah, you kind of left us hanging there, you know, it's okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful things. Well, let's open our Bibles to, um, to Romans chapter 6, we'll pick up with uh, where we <clears throat> left off there, and I, I think if we could, I'll just read from uh, verses 1 through, all the way through 14 this morning. I'll read out loud, you follow along. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism unto death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Or if we had become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection be. Knowing this, that our old self, our old man, was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we had died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have or be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Our verses this morning are verses 12 through 14. Uh, and it's such an important topic, but we're looking at and have moved into the area of the book of Romans to consider sanctification, uh, what it means for us as uh, Christians to uh, live the Christian life and the, the basis or the foundation for that uh, authority over sin. It's not to have rule or reign over us and Christ through His death and resurrection, has has uh, managed uh, that uh, provision and has given us that provision to do something uh, inside of each one of us—the transformation uh, that takes place in Christ. So we're looking at authority over sin. Romans six twelve through fourteen uh, addresses this issue, um, and so. Uh, what I would like to do here is uh, kind of do just a little bit of review. Uh, there's two questions. Do we continue in sin that grace may increase? Now the idea here in verse 1 of this chapter is do we continue in sin? It's, it's this ongoing uh, process. Uh, and then in verse 15 it says, Shall we commit personal sins because we're not under the law but under grace? Actually, um, it actually says, What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. These two questions are brought up by the Apostle Paul because he's just expounded upon the grace that God has given to us that has made us free from the penalty of sin because we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ and whereas the, uh, the, the sin... All sin brings death, and death means not only uh, physical death, but also separation from God. The second death, uh, and Christ's death on the cross was the substitution for that. So we are justified by faith in the grace and in the provision that God has made for us in Christ Jesus Now the natural response for that would be, well, if we're justified by grace from all of our sins, then isn't it good that we should just uh, sin more? Uh, And this comes out of Romans chapter 5 that we looked at, that grace may abound because we we have found that uh, that grace abounds uh, over mankind's sin, over his transgression and rebellion against God. Um, and Paul addresses that question here. It's unnatural force. Uh, so uh, these two questions kind of uh, direct what's uh, said in, in Romans chapter 6 here. There's three terms that we've looked at, and we finished with the second term uh, that we reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Um, <clears throat> but uh, in verses 1 through 10, we're told to know certain things and that knowing or knowledge of those certain things are as uh, our identity in Christ Jesus, how it changes once a person is born again. Okay, so uh, you, because you were born in the human race um, and under the rebellion of Adam from God, uh, we were spiritually dead, spiritually Uh, under that uh, fatherhood. Um, uh, And so Jesus said, you must be born again. Uh, And we're to know these things, uh, that uh, what takes place when we're born again, because that's our new identity. It means the shift between uh, Adam being our father to the Lord Jesus being our father and fathering uh, his offspring. Uh, And uh, so as newborn people, there is a certain nature uh, that, that we have, a certain identity that we have in Christ Jesus that we need to know about uh, because it's the foundation for living the Christian life. It's the, the foundation for sanctification. Um, and then in verse 11 it says, Likewise reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. This is a, a huge Uh, concept in Scripture, but it's basically the concept of faith. We reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we know that that's what happened in our new birth. Uh, And so it's the basis of the foundation from which we live the Christian life. We reckon by faith, uh, trust in, in Christ's provision, uh, for these things to be so, that we 're now dead to sin, that God has made us alive to himself, and we and he 's given to us new desires right when you 're born again, you have a desire to serve God, you have the desire to do the right things, uh, but we still have this conflict don 't we with between the flesh and the spirit um, and the the answer to uh, to these questions are acknowledging that um, that uh, uh, what Christ has done, uh, that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Uh, behold, all things have passed away, all things become new in Christ Jesus. He wants for us to know these truths from his word because that's the foundation of uh, for who we are, our new identity in Christ Jesus, and that's the foundation from which the, the spirit of God in the people of God has victory over the flesh and over the natural uh, nature of man, fallen under Adam. So uh, that's, that's quite an a introduction and, and uh, uh, expression of, of, of things that we've covered so far. Uh, so this uh, message this morning has to do with uh, presenting yourself uh, to these truths. We know, we reckon it to be so, And we present ourselves. So this is really an act of the volition where we make that choice uh, to do uh, an accordance with God's word. And there's a choice that's made in regard to the word of God. There's a reckoning upon the word of God. There's a trust upon God's word as being reality and truth and being our very identity. And this is the... This is the process of sanctification. It's where you're being transformed as in accordance with God's purposes into the, the new man, the new person in Christ Jesus. God has called us to a higher standard, a higher life, a life in Christ, a life of righteousness, a, right, a life that is, is pleasing to God and is a testimony uh, to the truth of God. So... Uh, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what he desires for us as his children, that we're proving to the world by the way that we live in accordance with the principles and the truth of God's word that this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life, and it's found in Jesus Christ. So these are, are the, the things that we have looked at and known. So uh, if, we, if we could look at the next slide here, we know our positional truth. We died to sin, according to Romans chapter 6. When we died in Christ, when we put our trust in him, he was substituted. The scripture says that you've been baptized into his death that you have died with Christ Jesus. So when the Father, when God our Father looks at you, He sees the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody exempt from that. But the wages of sin is death. And Christ paid that full penalty on the cross of Calvary when He substituted for you. God made He who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Your positional truth is that you have died in Christ Jesus, that you've been raised up to walk in newness of life by the power of His resurrection and He has been ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father and the Scripture says that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? The Scripture says that you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on Christ Jesus. Because that's where the glory is. We died to sin in verse 2. We walk in newness of life in verse 4. The old man was crucified in verse 6. We are no longer slaves to sin because of what Christ did for you. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, it's What it means, and here's the basic concept. Uh, Get this truth that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, is our salvation. There's no salvation apart from him. He's the way and the truth and the life. But he's there, and he's able to do what you can't do for yourself. You can try and try and strengthen the energy of the flesh and the works that mankind might do, and nothing will get you where you need to be. Nothing. But the Lord Jesus Christ has done. He's our Savior. It's just a simple concept that the smallest child can understand. Jesus will save you. He's the one that will deliver you. He's the one that delivered you from the the penalty of sin. He's the one that will deliver you from the power of sin over your life. And you can trust in Him. You can trust that He will do what He said He will do. And there's... Uh, a marrying of our will with God's will. And thats it's called belief. We believe His Word. We believe what Jesus said. We're no longer slaves to sin. Verses 6 and 7. We're no longer slaves to sin. You don't have to be under its reign and rule. We died to sin and now live to God. We've been given a new identity. And there's freedom. There's liberty in that new identity in Christ Jesus. Don't you want it? First of all, you've got to, you have to desire it to know the value, the treasure that, that Christ has given to us. And at that point, it's easy to be crucified with Christ. It's easy to take up our place. Not I, but Christ who now lives in me. Uh, and it's that freedom, it's that reality that gives us victory over sin, over the, the doldrums of this life. It's mundane compared to the glory of Christ Jesus and what it means to walk in righteousness and in accordance with the calling of God so uh, next slide there we reckon our positional on our positional truth i'm seated in Christ Jesus jesus is my savior so whatever my challenges are for living the christian life the scripture says lord jesus said i am the vine and you're the branches if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you shall, uh, 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 in me you shall bear much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. He's my Savior. He's the one that's going to deliver me. He's the one that, that is going to keep me uh, from those things which are death and destructive. He's the one that's going to, to order my steps in accordance with His word, in accordance to the truth. And it's such a blessing just to know what God has said He's going to do. And He wants us to believe Him and to trust Him and to look to Him to save us from what we cannot save ourselves from. His power is sufficient. When He was resurrected from the grave and He conquered death, He displayed a power that is sufficient to make you different, to to fix the things that are wrong in your life, Jesus Christ has done great and marvelous and wonderful things, and we need to praise him when we come and we sing these wonderful songs. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord. is laid for your faith in his excellent word. You know, what a, what a wonderful thing to, to sing and praise God for. We're dead to sin and alive to God. We've been made alive, new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You must be born again. You must be justified by faith in the work that Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. We're buried in Christ's crucifixion. and Scripture says that you've been buried into His death. He was crucified on the cross of Calvary. Scripture tells us uh, in Romans chapter 3, that, but now apart from the law, not apart from the law or works that we can do, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets told us about such things, but it required the salvation of God, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, his display over death on the cross of Calvary and resurrection from the dead. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified as a gift. You can't earn it. Jesus Christ has given it to you. Justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. What a marvelous word has been given to us whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, this was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he passed over sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He's justified you. He's made you free. From the death. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, the scripture says. So, what a wonderful word to us this morning. May we lay hold of it as God's people. So, let's look at our verses here then in verse chapter 12, chapter 6 and verse 12 of this chapter. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Now, in our passage, these three verses this morning. There's three major concepts. One is do not let sin reign. It's the word for kingdom or kingship. Um, and then in verse 14, it, it says, um, in verse 14, it says, for sin shall not have mastery over you. That's the word for lordship, kurios um, and basileo is the word for kingdom there, uh, for kingship in verse 12. And then the third concept in verse 14 is, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, present yourself in verse 13. uh, Do not go on presenting your members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God. So there's a a presenting of yourself, an offering of yourself. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body, a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God for its your reasonable service. He wants for you to present yourself there's an expression of the will in that concept, but these three words are the the essence of of what we 're looking at in these three verses this morning, and they're they 're hugely important for us as god 's people so um um, we talked about, and I, I gave you an illustration last week, I think it's so good I want to go back to it. You may think differently, but uh, the diesel pickup truck, uh, a motor that is converted to gasoline motor, uh, if you try to run uh, that diesel engine uh, or that gasoline motor on, on diesel, uh, as you know, most of you would, would know, hey, that, that doesn't work. You don't put diesel... Uh, into a gasoline motor because it's it's the wrong fuel, it's the wrong source of energy, and <clears throat> that's that's the concept that we've been looking at in regard to law and grace. Uh, so, uh, and it's not by the works of of law because it can't run. And your identity in Christ Jesus, if you try to try to run and live the Christian life on the basis of law. Uh, you will fail because the motor doesn't run. It's not the energy by which we live the Christian life. It's necessary for us by God's grace to live by faith in the truth of his word. It's the, it's the, the source of energy. It's the source of life that keeps the motor running, that keeps us going in the Christian life, that sanctifies us, that sets us apart, that transforms us into those creatures of God that, uh, that God has, has worked through the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, when you find in this verse, uh, verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Now sin here is... is, um, is we're given a, a, a picture of, of something that is like a king. It's like a ruler. Uh, and the, the reality is... That we were all under the kingship of sin. Uh, for all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. It's taught in Scripture that sin reigned in our lives, that we couldn't help ourselves, that we were fallen creatures, uh, and sin had the throne of the heart. I love the, the Campus Crusade illustration of, of the, <clears throat> the Christian life. You know, they draw this circle... And they have all of these little dots in there about different things or parts of your life. And it's all chaotic. And in the middle of that circle is a throne. And on the throne is E. It's ego. It stands for ego. It stands for self. It stands for the person. And so as you look at this this circle of your life, everything's out of order. And then they make the point that in this next circle, Christ... And they put a cross on the, on the throne there, that Christ takes the control center of your life, and then they, they organize and put all of these parts of your life in order. And that's the way it works. That's the way the Christian life works. That's why his his word is so important to us and essential to us because in the lordship of Jesus Christ, when he's upon the throne, our life comes together and is what it's supposed to be. Our identity as to who we are in Christ Jesus is realized. And sin shall not have authority over my body. But the the realities are that for for, uh, Christians, that there's this constant conflict by who's on the throne. Is it self or is it the Lord Jesus Christ? And what is the, the issue, the conflict of, of walking by faith is that um, that there's this struggle, the war between the flesh and the spirit. Everybody has it. Don't feel like you're out there alone. It's the struggle that we have and will have until we receive our resurrection bodies in Christ Jesus. We're going to have this struggle The flesh is going to war against the spirit. It's never going to want to serve God. I mean, you can become a religious person and, and there can be changes in your life, but the essential nature of the person and of the flesh is that it cannot be reformed. That's why we had to die in Christ Jesus. And that death in Christ Jesus, that thing that God accomplished for us, that miraculous thing that God did, frees us from the flesh. And that's what's necessary. But there's this battle between the flesh. The flesh will never want to uh, to relinquish control and lordship. It will always want to be seated upon the throne. And by faith, we need to, 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 to replace it with the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's right for him to be there. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. For it's your reasonable service. So sin is not to have authority over my body. It is not to have uh, this idea of kingly authority or rule. Because that's what sin does to us, isn't it? Our ego, we want to control things. You want to control things. And nobody's exempt out there. Each one of you, you want to be in charge of your life. And you will buy uh, from time to time that lie that the, the evil one brings to you that that you're missing out on life and unless you have these things, uh, you know, and you'll want to cross those lines because your flesh wants certain things and it's going to desire those things and it's going to seek after those things. And you have to tell your flesh that sin is not to reign in my mortal body, that Christ has that place. And there's not anything that that... Uh, delivers us from that like uh, just by the spirit and power of God, by faith giving, be, being given the and relinquished that will. You have to relinquish your will to God. When your will becomes in sync with God's will, there's joy and peace and the expression of, of who God is and righteousness and justice and such things as as honor God. And it's beautiful. It brings peace. As long as we're we're struggling with I want control and I, need, I think I need this thing or I think I need that thing and we're in that struggle and we're doing this, there's not going to be peace in your life. But once you relinquish that lordship to the place of our Lord Jesus Christ, once He's given sovereign and absolute control and placed upon the throne of your heart and the control center of your life, There's freedom. It's just the way God designed us. We were created in his image. We were designed to be. uh, uh, We were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which he before ordained for us to walk in them. That's our identity. He wants for you to be a a trophy of his grace. A display and expression of of His authority and His truth. You're proving the good and acceptable will of God when in obedience you choose His will. There's a choice there in our hearts that are made. I I believe you, God. I I trust you. And See, it, it really boils down to trust. Do you trust the Lord Jesus? Will you trust Him with your life, with your future, with what you're doing? <clears throat> are you willing to relinquish and, and as, is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ at that place to which you're willing to relinquish to His will the direction and course for your life? Or do you still believe the lie? Do you still think, oh, if I just step over here, you know, this is going to be sweet because the, the pleasures of sin is sweet for a moment, for just a moment. But the end of it is sorrow, and and death, and all the things that God's Word says and tells us about sin. So, but you know, make that decision in your heart and in your life in regard to our Lord Jesus Christ. He's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of that place on the throne of your heart and life for lordship to take control. Uh, But you have to relinquish it to him. He won't take it from you. He will not take it from you. The Lord Jesus wants your life. The Lord Jesus deserves your life. The Lord Jesus created your life. The Lord Jesus redeemed your life. The Lord Jesus is trustworthy because he loves you. And whether you know it or not, his plan for your life is is so much better than anything that you can do. Any control that you can have, anything that you may grab for, is nothing but foolishness and death. But the will of God is perfect and beautiful and sweet, and He desires good for you. So, sin is not to have authority. It's not to have sovereign and absolute control over our bodies. We're not to continue in sin. So the idea of reigning as a, a king, a sovereign, a monarch it means to be a king or to rule as a king, and the implication of of one who has total and feathered authority. It means to be in control, as in an absolute manner, to control completely or in an absolute manner. Uh, and we find that you know, I just thought of of some illustrations. There's Vashti and. In Esther, the Persian king's edict said, uh, "In Esther 1 19 and 20, if it please the king, let him go, uh, let there go a royal commandment from him." And that royal commandment that the king made to Vashti in in the book of Esther, uh, I mean, it was the thing; it was the word. There was authority, and there was power for the the obedience to that will, to that command, <clears throat> and. Uh, So, you know, this concept of authority and power is, is the concept that we're dealing with. Who has authority in your heart and your life this morning? Does the Lord Jesus Christ have you relinquished to him that authority? Have you given to him those things which are needed? Sin is not absent, but it's no longer in control. The flesh is going to war against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. But by the power of God, it's a supernatural power. The same power that created the universe, the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead, has come to indwell you as a believer. And that power is able to work in you God's will. It's able to miraculously do what only God can do. God needs people. He's looking for people that will believe Him, that will trust Him, that will trust His Word. And you have to do that outside of experience, outside of what we feel, outside of what we think. God's Word has to take priority in regard to living the Christian life. In regard to all things, God's Word has authority. He has lordship there. And that transfer is to be taken place. Sin is not absent, but it's no longer in control. And ultimately, at the resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ will free us from this body of sin and death. And mortality will put on immortality. But in the meantime, we're told to live by faith, to walk in accordance with his word, to believe him. Now in the future, when we're resurrected and when we're in the presence of God, uh, we will not be able to exercise faith in God as we are today. It's a huge thing, a huge responsibility that God has given to you to believe Him, to rest in Him, to trust Him when the whole world is telling you differently. It's to say that God, what God says is priority. What God says is truth. What God says is where I'm going. This is where life comes from. The life of God and God's people. Uh, The mortal body is not in charge. This body of sin and death is no longer in charge because of what Christ Jesus has done. It is a supernatural thing. It is the power of God and it's dependent upon believing, trusting in Him. Reckoning what He has said to be true. We do not have to obey the lust of our mortal body. We don't have to to obey it any longer because of what Christ has done, and that this is the thing. Uh, it's it's this teaching in in Romans chapter six is telling us that we may obey it, that we may uh, do these things, and and we're being warned against it. We're being instructed. We're being taught that we don't have to. Allow the mortal body to uh, and obey the lusts of the mortal body. It's a trap, and it brings death. But cr- God, and through Christ Jesus, brings life in your life. Don't you want to know the fullness of it? The glory of our Lord Jesus. Uh, the fourth point here, uh, you are not to present the members of your mortal body. And, and uh, look at verse 13. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of, of righteousness to God. So first of all, do not let sin reign. Secondly, do not present the members of your body uh, as it says uh, as, mem- uh, as instruments of unrighteousness. And uh, the word there can be translated as weapons of unrighteousness. So if we think of spiritual warfare and we think of the, the God of this world, the evil one that desires to, to use us and to use the members of our body in a rebellion against our God and Creator, this is what we're looking at. We yield ourselves to, as instruments of unrighteousness, as weapons of unrighteousness. We yield ourselves in the, the, the hands and under the authority of the, the God of this world. And he's a cruel God. He's a hateful God. He desires to destroy you. He desto- desires to destroy everything that's good. And relinquishing your, uh, that authority uh, from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ uh, to him is a horrible thing. This idea of presenting. You're not to present the members of your mortal body. Uh, the idea of presenting is for approval or for participation. Uh, often it's used in Scripture of those that were bystanders. Uh, they were bystanders at, at uh, Christ's uh, trial. Uh, the bystanders were those that they were presenting themselves, uh, idea, uh, <clears throat> with the idea with the scribes and the Pharisees that were crucifying our Lord. They were presented. There's a, a sense of participation or approval of uh, of that uh, presenting yourself. And uh, so it means to yield or surrender to authority. Uh, so where does this authority come from? And, and isn't authority a, a, a weird thing? Authority to me is a strange thing. Um, uh, where does that power come from? And it's, it's a very spiritual thing. So we the Scripture tells us there, there are these... These invisible forces—they're spiritual forces—and they have authority. They have uh, rule. They—they uh, they rule uh, over the, the. He's the God of this world. He has authority over this world. it has been, been given to him by God. <clears throat> so, uh, but but where authority represents power, um, and. Uh, It represents uh, that word, that idea of the the king in in the Persian Empire that he uh, gives a royal edict. Well, everybody obeys. Well, why do they obey? Because he has authority. He has power. Not only does he have authority as a king, but he has the power of armed forces. And by force, he can cause you uh, to do what his edict is. So, but you're not to present the members uh, of your mortal body as weapons of unrighteousness. These are offensive weapons for war, and there's a conflict against our God and Creator. And if, if you're, if, you know, if you've lost sight of it, I, I challenge you, I encourage you to engage in that, that war because you're in it whether you, you realize it or not, or whether you recognize. That the flesh is going to war against the spirit. That that uh, that there's this this authority which keeps telling you uh, that you need to do these things this way. Um, and and there's a there's a battle. It's it's a it's a conflict against our God and Creator. And He wants for you to be good soldiers, not presenting your your members of your body, your hands, your arms, your legs, your eyes these things to to unrighteousness, but present yourself to to God as weapons of righteousness. And that's the second part of our verse. You are to present yourself as alive from the dead. Alive from the dead. Alive from death. Alive from those things which uh, have uh, um, encaptured us, enslaved us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.2 says, For I am jealous of for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband. So that to Christ I might present you a pure virgin. Uh, and Ephesians 5.27. That he might present to himself. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus. That was the Apostle Paul. The Lord Jesus said that he might. or, or Paul says in, in uh, Ephesians 5.27. That he might present you to himself. The church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless. That's God's objective for you. To present you holy and blameless. That was, that was Christ, the Apostle Paul's, the desire of his heart. To present a people of God that were holy and blameless before God. That should be our, the thing that we strive for. The thing that we we long for and love and and seek after. Colossians one twenty two says, "Yet he has now reconciled you in the fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him, holy and blameless and beyond reproach." That's God's goal for you. May I encourage you to to pick up where you are. God's grace is sufficient. He He forgives our sin. But what he wants is to, for you to be presented holy and blameless and without reproach. And you can get there not by your own strength, not by wishing it to be, but by this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the power of God. For he's your Savior and he's able. But he, he desires and he will not force your will. He wants for there to be a decision in your will that I will present myself to you I will present my members uh, to the Lord and uh, God as weapons of righteousness that I may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in the midst of a lot of of anguish and hardship and trouble and trials and a lot of forceful uh, uh, stress to conform you to this world that's the battle that's, that's the war that we have. But your, your body is to be uh, uh, presenting, and you're to present yourself as alive from the dead to God. Uh, so make the decision. Why would you delay? Make it now. Make it in your heart. Make it in your life. Just determine that, okay, i got to get E off the throne. Ego's got to go. Christ has to be there. He has to take charge, and I'm willing. I'm willing. The act of the will on your part, a decision to uh, that that Christ belongs there. <clears throat> Present yourself as alive from the dead, and your members as weapons of righteousness to God. Um, I was looking at these things, the laser light weapons. Man, those things are cool. <laughs> Have you seen those laser light weapons? I mean. <laughs> it's really something but that's what you're to be you're light jesus christ is light it's the truth and 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 god will use you as a a laser light weapon in this in the spiritual warfare god wills you as a weapon for righteousness in accordance with his will and there's victory there for you christ is sufficient his power is is enough you think about i always I like to go back to this illustration of Peter walking on the water, Peter gets out, and what does he do? This is faith. It's not natural, you know. You're not supposed to walk on water. You can't do that. It's against everything, all of the nat- nat- natural and normal laws that we know. But Christ called Peter out of the boat, and he got out, and he walked on that water. See, that's faith. It it breaks. the the laws, the the normal rules of life. God is able to do these things in your life. And what an exciting life for us as believers that we can see the power and the glory of God and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ being displayed in our life. But what do we do? Peter looked at the water. You know, while he's looking at Christ, while he had his eyes on Jesus Christ, there was power, there was victory, there was unnatural things that were taking place. Why? Because Jesus is our Savior and he's able to do unnatural things. He's able to break all the laws. He is able and by faith. Uh, I mean, we, there's power there. But what do we do? We look at the water. We look at the circumstances and we fall. Peter fell. Uh, what does Jesus say? Oh, ye of little faith. You know, I'm, man, this guy got out and walked on water. I mean, even if it was momentarily, that's something you don't do. But, but oh, you have little faith. He rebukes Peter. And he's always going to rebuke you for lack of faith. He never gets, cuts us any slack on lack of faith. He wants for us to believe him. He wants for us to trust him. It's essential you are to present your bodies as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of unrighteousness. In verse 14, you shall, uh, for sin shall not be master over you. This is the third concept, the idea of master. You have uh, no kingship, no uh, rule over, uh, sin shall not have rule over you. And you have you present your body as uh, alive unto God and as instruments and weapons of righteousness. And here we have, for sin shall not be master, it shall not have lordship over you. It's like cracking the whip. You know, sin is that way. Jesus said he that commits sin is a slave to sin. It's always true. You commit sin, you think, Oh, okay. And this is what verse fifteen comes up to. It says, you know, this idea of, of you know, not continuing in sin, but just, okay, I'll cross the line here because I think I can do it and get by with it and experience some of the pleasure of sin and, and uh, get by without the consequences because the grace of God is sufficient. So I'm going to do that. And he's saying, don't do it. Your sin shall not be master over you. It shall not be master over your person. There's a life that's in Jesus Christ. You are not under the law, but you are under grace. And I, I'd like to, to, uh, to deal with that concept in, in more detail. But I did want to say one thing in closing uh, this morning, and I'll, I may come back to you are not under the law, but you're under grace. We have an election coming up, and <clears throat> there's uh, there's this conflict is going on. It's, it's always going to go on until our Lord Jesus returns. Um, but the major issue is is exactly what we're talking about: uh, the, who rules on the throne of your heart and your life. Uh, Mankind on the throne is the the major issue in our elections uh, that are coming up these next few weeks. Um, uh, The conflict in Washington, D.C. and in our country is um, the exaltation of man and his lordship over things, his rule, or the lordship of Christ and Uh, With our constitutional republic, it it is designed to limit the power of man because the power of man always leads to bondage, uh, to slavery, to bad things, uh, to to all the the things that are, are in association with original sin. And so when we're looking at the elections and looking at our country, uh, we need to understand that, that mankind on the throne uh, and his ruling there is a very serious issue, but it's a very serious issue that with secular humanism, with communism, with socialism, that is the expression. It's to put man upon the throne. It's to put uh, these, these things uh, that are a rejection, and we've seen this rejection in our country uh, from Darwin, uh, the idea that man is an animal uh, is expressed in our elections coming up. They're, they're, th- these are, are, are fundamental or presuppositional truths. They're worldviews that are, are factoring in or playing into what's, uh, what we're voting for, what's taking place. Um, there's the higher criticism of scripture that we saw the damages of that with uh, in the German country, with Nazism. Um, uh, the rejection of the truth of God's word from man saying, we'll go our own way. We'll be the Lord of our own lives. We'll do things our own way. The ideology in our country has become social justice is salvation for man. Uh, if we can establish uh, you know, some form of, of justice, of social justice, then everything will be okay. It's the idea that man is somehow basically good and that there's some type of utopia that mankind can reach there, which is, I'm telling you, it's completely unreachable. It can't can't be. Um, there's, uh, well, just to make the point, this is from Representative John Dingell, he's a Democrat from Michigan. Speaking of, of Obamacare, he said it takes a long time to do the necessary administrative steps that have to be taken to put the legislation together to control the people. It's about control of the people, folks. It's about, um, about what it means for a, a group. Uh, to, to get this control and ultimately under the control of mankind. Um, the, Vladimir Lenin said, the goal of socialism is communism. Okay, so if you didn't know that, I remember uh, with Occupy Wall Street that there was a question asked, uh, um, we want to replace capitalism. And so the, the commentator said, well, what do you want to replace it with? And there was another guy that was by this person that was saying that, and he said, don't say it, don't say it. And that was that was some time back. Now they just say it. But they want to replace capitalism with socialism. They believe that it's, it's a better uh, form of, of government, that it's more just, that you can pr- provide social justice, and there will be salvation for mankind. Um, Nikita Khrushchev said this We can expect the American people, we can't expect the American people to jump from capitalism to communism, but we can assist their elected leaders in giving them small doses of socialism until they awaken one day to find that they have communism. Um, There are people out there that have this ideology. They're very, don't think they're stupid. They're not. They're highly intelligent. And they're working for a goal of world domination. Uh, the the Bolshevik communists, did, did you know that there was like 20,000 Bolsheviks in the, the revolution? There were more. There were other forms of communism and, and revolutionaries there, but there were only 20,000 in their, that whole country. They took the country. And they went from that, that 20,000 uh, to some somewhere in the 1960s to over a billion people, they put us to shame. The promotion of man, the promotion of 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 the salvation, and, and simply it's it's the uh, it's the the ideology that the antichrist will will come to power through. You know that man can save himself, and if you read the secular humanist, if you read the communist documents. Uh, you will find that that that's the thing. Erwin Lutzer had this to say, let's not make the mistake of the German church and isolate the spiritual sphere from the political, social and cultural world. The church should not be ruled by self-preservation. He also said every believer must be able to give a rationale for his or her faith, defending the supremacy of Christ over all other alternatives. We need to be out there. We need to to speak truth from God's word, and it needs to be a worldview that is in accordance with God's word. 1 Peter 3:14 and 15 says, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed, and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Gentleness and fear, uh, Franklin Lydell said the lesson to be learned from the church struggle and the Holocaust have hardly penetrated the Protestant seminaries. Our liberal Protestant prison this is so true. our church literature, the thinking and writing of even our ablest older theologians, american liberal protestants is Protestantism is sick, and the theological Form of its sickness can be summarized by saying that it stands solidly on the ground, but lately vacated by the German Christians who collaborated with Nazism. And we can collaborate with them. Uh, we can collaborate by embracing their worldview and their agenda. <clears throat> now, this was uh, expressed by uh, in 1958 by Cleon uh, Skousen. Uh, he wrote The Naked Communists, in which he compiled a list of 45 current communist goals. You can read it and check it out, but I've got a few of them for you here, and you, you see what, what you think of it. These are their goals expressed. Present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Eliminate prayer of any phase of religious expression in the schools. Now these are things that have been accomplished. And this was 1958, so you know, a couple of years later, uh, they, they pushed prayer out of the schools, through the courts. Uh, they pushed the Bible out of the schools, uh, and we saw this, this very, very rapid uh, accomplishment of their agenda. <clears throat> discredit the American Constitution. discredit the family as an institution. Support any socialist movement to give centralized control over any part of the culture, education, social agencies, welfare programs, mental health clinics. And then finally, infiltrate the churches and repack revealed religion and social religion. Uh, Discredit the Bible. Discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity that does not need a religious crutch. Is the Bible a religious crutch, or is it the very word of life? <clears throat> and uh, this, I'm saying these things because <clears throat> this conflict that's going on, it's, it involves our election, is <clears throat> is an, a long and a very old uh, ongoing conflict. Uh, and we need to understand... <clears throat> Uh, a biblical worldview, biblical perspective uh, to address these issues and to understand them for what they are Uh, and to understand that behind it all is man's rebellion and mankind's rebellion against God and his search for a utopia that is not to be found, not with men, but only with our Lord Jesus Christ. And one day our Lord Jesus Christ will return to reign and there will be good government. But until then, there's not going to be good government on planet Earth. And if we look at the, the the expression of communism and socialism in countries, there's never been a decent expression of it. In fact, people risk lives. They take uh, uh, anything to get out from under these communist countries and flee to the United States of America. You have to ask ourselves the question, why do they do this? <clears throat> we, we need to recognize... That when Black Lives Matter says that we have been we are trained Marxists, that they have an agenda, and it explains why they burn down black bris- businesses, it explains why they murder b- black police officers because black lives really don't matter to them. their agenda matters to them, and we need to understand those things as believers. we need to understand where it's coming from and what that agenda really is. Um, Black lives do matter. All lives matter, and, uh, but the agenda is, is clear if, if you understand their ideology, and it ultimately is the expression of man. I know I've gone over, but I thought it was an important time to say and to make some comments uh, in regard to the election. Um, we want to elect good people. We want to get rid of bad people. Because there are a lot of them there in Washington D.C., and the only we we have such an amazing thing in freedom here to vote people in and out of office, and to and to make change without bloodshed, and uh, that's the glory of our Constitution. Our founders understood that uh, that power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts. That's why they balanced the forms of. The, the branches of government, and and they um, uh, they set up something for us that, that can be a, a great benefit uh, to us and has been a wonderful benefit to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We pray that sin should not reign in our lives. We pray that we might have knowledge of your word, <coughs> that you would order our steps in accordance with your word and in accordance with that truth. And we ask, Lord God, that we may know the power and the glory and the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ, that glory may be given to him through the way that we as your people live. Uphold us, Lord God, by your grace and by your strength. Enable us to be bold and uh, to be clear in our declaration of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that is wrought in him and in him alone. We pray in his name. Amen.